Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is NNMRadio.com. I'm your host, PLS Addy. This your boy, King Young. And this is going to be a very special episode. It is February, guys. Yes, sir. This is Black History Month. I've been giving y'all some uh, lookouts, some previews, giving y'all some of my opinions so far on Black History Month, but that has not been the official episode to to uh, cover all of the history African Americans and also Africans by themselves have went through throughout the years. King Andre, what are some of your fondest memories of this time of year? Well, um, black people try to come together a little more and follow suit as what we need to be in life, but then they go right back to it. <laughs> but yeah, this time of the year we do show a lot of contribution towards our history. You know, oh yeah. Heritage, you know. And here at NNMRadio.com, we feature a whole lot of progressive, futuristic, experimental music, music that pushed the boundaries. We feature a lot of music regardless of anybody's race. But this time of year, we want to scale it back. We want to take it all the way back and say thank you to our ancestors, our forebearers, the people that we have stood on the shoulders and been in the shadow for all of this time. All of this that we got going would not be possible if it wasn't for our ancestors out there. Yes, sir. So, um... To give y'all an insight on what's going on is we're going to be going over, first of all, um, ancient history, and then we're going to pan over to different subjects, whether it be in the entertainment business, the science business, or politician business, if y'all know what I mean. The music that we got playing in the background is music that has been played back in the 1920s. People like Ellen Fitzgerald, um, Nina Simone have been uh, singing about our plight and spreading the word of our people throughout this nation and the world. Sounds great, all of it. Like, it makes you wanna listen to it to get the message they were giving because I know they were singing about something so powerful. To, to empower the people at the time to keep them going. Yep, it's on like Louis Armstrong. Yes. So uh, before we jump ahead of ourselves, I do got a list of some people that we could talk about and some information off the top of my head about some people back in the BC era. We like to put emphasis on people in the modern era, people that just came out within the last five years of Black History Month. But there's been people even before Black History Month that has moved our people forward and progressed our race and our ethnicity. Any people you could think of off the top of your head before we go down this uh, list? We Egyptians, so that's the black history go all the way back to then. <laughs> and that that's even bigger. That's more of African history. <laughs> Africa encompass more than just black people. Africa is a colorful nation that holds a lot of different cultures and languages. People that have spanned from BC era all the way up into 
AD Roman era. And this list could be oh so long, guys, because don't you ever doubt for a moment that there's not enough black folks, there's not enough Africans out there that's representing for us. And there has been, and you could you could look it up for your own self, people that have been uh, thriving as far as empire building, as far as architecture, as far as even uh, being warriors. Now... To cap this story off, we're going to start off with King Ramesses II. King Ramesses really got his fame in the old Bible stories. Um, Hollywood made a, 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 a Ten Commandments movie, and they made Ramesses II as the enemy towards the Hebrew people. Noah, let my people go. But in fact, King Ramesses wasn't the Pharaoh over the Hebrew Israelites over that time it was another Pharaoh but the reason why King Ramesses is so famed is because he was the most powerful uh, Pharaoh out of all of uh, the dynasties old middle or new and to also let y'all know he's part of the new dynasty okay anything about King Ramesses sound great but can't nobody talk that Effort he had put out over the time he had his reigning. So if it lasted this long, I don't think it could be taught. And me, I, you know, I want to know more about him because I've, I see myself as a king, and, and kings don't really be here to conquer, it just be to have the respect. That's what a king wants. It ain't to conquer. Once you to conquer, just keep the same respect. We will never have a battle. That's what a king is. Next on the list is Queen Pharaoh Hatshepsut. If you heard of her, she is rumored to be the first Egyptian female in in Egypt ever. And the reason why she gets into power is because of unique circumstances regarding her family and somebody recently passing away and her brother is not old enough to take the throne. So she leads the nation in relationship building. You cannot be a great ruler by built by burning bridges. No great ruler has ever made it to the top by destroying his neighbors and being an enemy of everybody. Yes. A good ruler makes has good friends that respect him and keeps the, their country at a good sovereignty, I believe. And yes. she demonstrated that that it takes more than just being a tyrant in the rage war, that you gotta build strong relationships. And Queen Hatshepsut built strong relations with the Nubians, with the Israelites, with the Greeks, everybody knew Egypt because of her and what she brought to the table in the new world. Anything you wanted to say? No. Next on the list, as far as BC ancient people that are famous is King Tut. We still look up to him now as the biggest God and the ruler at the time because what he 
when he found his era, it was like nobody ever really topped the, the reigns he had at the time. And then all off of just artifacts and all of that. Because it really just, we don't know, but it just go off of his tune was the most best one. Kenya Andrade is right on that. Right in the 1940s or 50s, English settlers or English um, archaeologists came upon an Egyptian tomb that was intact, meaning that the Italians, the Romans, any of the Arabs, or even the Southern Nubians haven't raided this tomb, and they found a golden sarcophagus of King Tut, and that sarcophagus is the main um idol or image that you see of Egyptian pharaohs and, and it's like that would say pharaoh live on because it's like they're trying to make their sarcophagus as them and keep it there and you can see it forever and it's a great looking one yes. that's why here was the best looking one it was gold yes all made out of gold you still see some of the ornaments and the way he pre- preserved his body with the finding of his tomb we got to find out a lot about uh egypt you don't have the letter a letter Thanks. next on the list is cleopatra the seventh she had came at a great time too to make some magic for the black history because they're like times back then you wouldn't think that could even happen by the time cleopatra came egypt was on its last leg and they needed a ruler that was going to put a line in the sand and say no more invasions no more bad trades we don't want our sovereignty to be exploited we don't want our country to be exploited and she was the last queen the last ruler of egypt before the Romans came and had their way with with Egypt and has lost its antiquity forever. She was that ruler that said no to those foreigners that wanted to be her husband and rule Egypt beside her. She says, no, I would rather be the sole ruler of Egypt for my people. Oh yeah, she had the power, but she wouldn't have full power if she get married. Yep. Rulers like Julius Caesar wanted to be the a pharaoh of Egypt. He thought it would expand the Roman Empire if he was to rule beside her or rule over her, matter of fact, because that's what she also knew. That marriage to them wasn't gonna be equal. Marriage was gonna be over. He just got the position by marrying her. That's all he was trying to do. <laughs> Next on the list is King Hannibal. King Hannibal was the famed leader warrior of the Carthaginian Empire. They humiliated the Romans in the Punic Wars. If y'all ever learned that, it's, this was a very embarrassing time for the most powerful nation in the world. The Romans wanted to exploit their power in Britain, in Germany, even as far as 
Egypt, even after Cleopatra had passed away because she committed suicide. She said, I would rather kill myself than have y'all rule over me. That's how powerful she was. She, she knew the consequences of losing. She didn't want to be captive to the, the Northern Romans. And King Hannibal went around Rome and laid siege to, to, to the Roman society because the Romans wanted part of Africa as, as, their, as their crown. And Hannibal rode in with an army of elephants, if you ever heard that legend, and crushed Romans year after year from winter to summer to winter to summer again it could not beat this guy fuck a horse yes this guy rode elephants into italy rome and was messing up the romans bad he was rome's biggest enemy at the height of his prime fuck that horse we got an elephant that been ain't fast as a horse but he'll run (laughs) And he was just the same as Cleopatra. You are not going to take me alive and exploit me and take my people. No, 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 no. He took his own life by by the way he wanted it and not by the Romans uh, uh, do it justice, whatever they wanted it to be. That's how it was back in the day. If you go to jail, get killed... Or you kill yourself because you feel like, fuck it, I ain't... They didn't do it. <laughs> Next on the list in BC time is Mansa Musa. Explain. Mansa Musa is, is famed for being the richest man to ever live. And the reason why is because of the oil reserves and mines that he had at the time. It is worth the most. Back in his day, and if he was to estimate it to modern times, the man would still be technically the richest man because of gold, because of oil, and because of... Yes, because of spices. So, when he made his famed trip to Mecca, on his way to Mecca, he wanted to stop by in Europe. And that's the reason why you also hear about his story is because people in Europe wrote about the story of a black king coming through their town with hundreds and hundreds of camels all holding gold with also hundreds and hundreds of servants and slaves all holding gold and literally giving it away. All on his way to Mecca. And on his way back, he was purchasing stuff, making relationships, and building Timbuktu, if you ever heard of that city. Okay, then nothing else? nice. I really like what he did. Came through, dropped off money, and bought stuff. So yeah, like, and brought it back. He brought a lot of fame, uh, astro- like scientists and, and, and people of, of different academia to build a college before there was a college, a library before there was a library in Timbuktu. Timbuktu, at the height of his prime, was the center of the modern world. Because of him. Yep. 
It takes money to build buildings and they gain all that information. And he had the money. And he just had the brain to put everything together. I know I need this person. I know I need that one. So we got to come together. Instead of keep on, I have to go to you. Go to him for this. Right? He the one put it in one building. So, next on the list isn't uh, BC time, but it is during a very early time before America as we even know it, before the American slave trade. And a such notable king back in that day was Shaka Zulu, if you heard of him. Shaka Zulu is famed for defending off the British army. The British army at this point was colonizing large swaths, large pieces of the globe, not even of a continent, of the globe. If you look at um, a Google search of all the countries Britain has colonized, it is around about 60 to 70% of the world easily just them by themselves and then once when you take it into account european countries that have colon colonized the world then you get to around like 80 90 percent countries su- such as north korea countries such as uh japan and china um real far off islands like north sentinel island hasn't been colonized technically that's how far reach it is. Also, rumored uh, Ethiopia hasn't been co- colonized. And Shaka Zulu, as y'all can guess by now, has successfully repelled the British army. Not once, but not twice. Multiple times over the course of a year, the British, ap- after a certain point, had to give up and even shake the man's hand and get to know him and congratulate him because they have never faced a foe who even though technologically was behind them but uh, military wise with his tactics was eye to eye could not overtake each other that his tactics were were superior if not to modern um, military tactics and that that's a uh, very brilliant of his military mind he was ready to implement o- over the field over the battlefield I ain't gotta have nothing in the air to win or that man of men on horses right we could be on feet yep so uh, before we Move on to uh, media. Um, anything you wanted to say about the BC folks? Nasa Musa. He was a go-getter. It sounded like to me he started jobs. Right? Oh, yeah. I'll pay you for working. Not just get out there and I'll give you something to eat. Right. <laughs> oh, shouts out to Massa Moose. Word, shouts out to, to all the people that we went over was Ramesses the second, who was famed for um um 
bringing um, making Egypt its very largest its its most prominent this guy entered into military life at the age of 10 years old it was rumored and coming up with some kills in his first battle winning a war you better do something you out there ain't no cover hole you fight a prince of Egypt has to uh, act. He cannot be like the humble servants of, of, of the land. Tell us, tell us some more about Black History while we're in the commercial. Uh, it's like Black History. We started everything. You go back a look. We the first to even invent a proper engine to a car, um, the lights to the car, added components to the vehicles. Um, I can't verify that. We create every damn thing. First, and they just take the pattern. <laughs> so, over the course of um, of years, black media has always been a limelight to mainstream media. In latter years and also way back in the day if you didn't realize that black movies have been a love-hate relationship what are some black movies that you growing up uh, watching it was like the temptation story and stuff like that the five heartbeat all the movies like that show you like the struggle of how we coming up as an artist, getting booed off the stage and beat with, you know, called the N word just because you showed up, but you coming to do the talent you hide for and all of that. People love you, and you also got people hate you. Like, it was so crazy back then. You might get ran off the road. <laughs> right? Yep. So now we're gonna go over black media, black movies that that have been prominent throughout the years. And um, honestly, we can't go over all the movies. There's a lot of movies that went out. You bet. So we're just only gonna go over the most prominent movies. Starting off with State Property. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, you seen State Property with Beanie Seagulls before? Yeah. What's your thoughts? Tell them. I didn't see it in a while, but the concept was, as you can see, that 
started off, he was fucked up. And they had to show him, try to grind from the bottom, and, but they still got him. And it's still like, it's hard to become who you want to be. Being up under that. What you took from him? I took, like, when I saw at the end of uh, Dead Presidents, man. And I'm sorry for jumping ahead, guys. But that's what I took from it. That's what it reminded me of. That's some shootout shit. He needed it. It felt like a Conan situation. Next movie is Get Rich or Die Try. You ever ever seen that one? With uh, 50 Cent trying to become a rapper. And he wants to leave the street life behind. And be legit in the music business. To better himself. And he didn't really like he really was telling he really partial his true story on that and I like the characters he picked too to play him like the, the younger version of him nice good choice ever since that movie 50 Cent showed he, he got an eye and a neck for producing movies Next on the list is ATL. You remember that one? Yeah. You should tell him what about this one. It was crazy. Like, you got the big brother trying to do right. He would know the streets. He'd see what go on. Then you got the little brother get swamped in it. Didn't even know it. <laughs> Now you in it. Ain't no running. Don't you work for me? Right? Big boy. <laughs> but you got the big brother like, no, you don't. <laughs> he had to stick up for his brother. Then you like, no. He stepped his foot out here in that world. And how he, big boy took it like he grown now. You selling drugs. How you, how you gonna run from that now? Next on the list is Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor is about um, a guy who develops a formula to lose weight. But the side effect is he can only be that weight for just a certain amount of time before he'll go back to his normal form. And at the end of the movie... They they reconcile with him saying that it doesn't matter what what your weight is or who you are. I mean, it's about who you are really inside, like what you do. It's not about what you look like, you know. He still got the girl mm-hmm. <laughs> as a big boy, but he does some good acting because like he always know how to play multiple characters. That's what he great at. Playing multiple characters in one movie and give you the object, you can still feel that character, even though it's one person. <laughs> Next on the list is Big Mama's house. Martin, he did the same altercation thing, like had to go undercover. Dude, like he had a great 
They did the same thing. Had to play two characters. And he pulled it off. It was funny. It reminded me of Miss Doubtfire. Yeah. Next on the list is the Honeymooners. If I had to remember the Honeymooners, is about obviously people getting married and they having a honeymoon, but the honeymoon is in like Long Island or somewhere in New Jersey. And they have like all these little wacky things they go to to celebrate their honeymoon. But it's like kind of ghetto and shit, I think. I think that's what the Honeymooners is about. I think they had to go to multiple weddings. Okay. The Honeymooners I saw and what else to think about was Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah. And uh, I think he was a landlord like that. And the, the couple just got married or whatever. And like, you know, he gets a relationship, not like a friendship, I mean, with uh, the guy and he has them doing odd jobs, I think I remember. Next on the list is Love Don't Cost a Thing. If you remember that one. Um, Nick Cannon with uh, Christina Milian. And he over here trying to be the cool guy. And he had the Mercedes Benz and he wrecked it. And he had to like pay all that money back. Yeah, she was rich. That was the thing. She was a cute girl, but she was a rich girl. And then at the end of the movie, it was just like the Nutty Professor. Oh, you don't have to act like that. Right. Try to be the, the hood. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what it was about. Next on the list was uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. Maybe you could do this one. <laughs> you don't get Aiden Murphy. Don't have to alter himself. <laughs> he could play a character. <laughs> and and he, that was good too. Like he make him funny, and it was it was kind of if you were young, you could have been scared, but it's still like we know Eddie Murphy. <laughs> it was a good character, funny like a motherfucker. Though. <laughs> oh, actually, um. The woman that, that's at the funeral home right up the street, she played in the movie as a young girl, but she was young back then. You know, she was a young girl back then. I don't know what part she played. She could have been just a, you know, a party girl in the background. I don't know. She was in it. Yeah. Next movie is Are We There Yet? Um, Ice Cube. He befriends this young lady that he sort of wants to date. And she's like, oh, you can watch my kids. And um, then all of a sudden, oh, can you bring my kids all the way up to this place where I'm at? He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. He's in the car and the kids don't wreck the car. And then they got to take a train ride. And then after when it's all said and done, he's like, got his relationship with the kids. And the kids are like, yeah, I'm going to go tell my mom you said this. But at that point, they're like. Nah, he's a good guy. We, it's gonna be between us, yeah. Mama. Mary, you you should date this guy. He's a good guy. We like him. The whole car. Yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing that. Living the whole life up, come through, just get up over there, and now they fuck with you. Barely got there, like me. Next on the list is school days. 
You don't remember that? Huh? Okay, School Days is by Spike Lee, a famed black director. So it has um Lawrence Fishburg. He's um like a school director, but it's also featuring um um what's his name? Spike Lee in the movie. I think he's playing the main character now that I think about it. So he's a freshman coming up to this black university. And you got one side of the Greeks, blacks, and then the other side of the Greek blacks, and they're rivaling each other. And one side of the black Greeks is like prep boys. They they perm their hair, they wear suits, they you know, they act like, you know, gentlemen or whatever. And then the other side was like um you know, like uh black black like cues, you know? And when, whatever, and um, they had the black girls, which was they they tapped into it. It was like the light skinned girls was the classic girls, and the dark skinned girls was like the ensemble, you know, dance crowd and whatnot. But the way the movie was, it was like every now and then it went into like musicals where they'd be dancing and singing and whatever. And um, at the end of the movie, Lawrence Fishburg is ringing the bell with the with the morning light on him, saying, "Wake up, wake up!" and basically saying, "Like y'all niggas, stop getting into all this little culture war shit, and realize that you're black, and you're in this spot together. We need to graduate, or you know, and go back out into the world, you know, or whatever the heck." Whatever message you want to take after he says, wake up. Now, that was, you know, the movie right there. Next on the list is Lottery Ticket. You can take this one if you remember that one. Dang. Lottery Ticket is about Bow Wow. He wins the lottery. He wants to buy all this with his niggas. But also he knows this cute girl he wants to impress. Before he had the lottery ticket, she ain't pay him no mind. Like, even when he gets her number, she puts this nigga on hold all night. And, you know, he finally hangs up in the morning or whatever. Thinking she's going to call him back or whatever the heck. But after when he gets a lottery ticket, she's on him. And he's not even really off that. But there's this other girl that he's sort of friends with. And at the end of the movie, he finds out, yeah, this girl is sort of friends if that should be my girlfriend. And all them people that was thinking I was cool when I had the lottery ticket are not cool. I should hang out with my real friends because at first he started off with his real friends. But then he surrounded himself with some bad friends who he just kept spending money with. Alright, can you Dread, please tell me you can take one. Next movie is Friday. Yeah, you know I think you know that motherfucker. All right, take it. Okay. It was crazy because Creed got fired on the day out. <laughs> it was Friday, and that homeboy come over there want to smoke with him because he fucked up. Damn, you got fired. So let me fire up. 
That nigga smoke good all day. <laughs> he don't even know where he got the weed from. He just know. My boy here for me. Fuck it. It's Friday. I got fired. I need somebody to smoke. Then, you know what? That nigga here sell weed for somebody else. <laughs> he just smoked all the bad shit. Now he said, both, he done put him in it. He said, <laughs> me and Craig, <laughs> ain't no me and Craig, me with your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm smoked up big worms weed. <laughs> he said, yeah, me and Craig had a money. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna come from you and Craig. You and Craig, what, you and Craig, that's your ass that we paid. <laughs> Next on the list is Four Brothers. Four Brothers is about four adopted brothers that live together in Detroit. Well, two of them were white. And they all had a mother's house that was about to go up for auction. And they find out who bought that house and for what reason why it also got auctioned because... To them, all of a sudden, their house was just all of a sudden going up for sale, and they was like, damn. But once when they found out that, like, somebody was behind that, and I think one of the brothers made a bad deal at that time, they found out who it was in the, in the town, and they fucked that person up, and they get the money back so they could go back to their mother's house and live together as four brothers. She saw that shit up quick as hell. That's what the movie's basically about. Everything else is just fugazi shit, right? That nigga eating off the floor and shit. Like, what the fuck? Like, that nigga that fell into the ice, remember that shit? They don't shot up the mother's house, all that. You know, y'all know four brothers shit. So, um, next movie, Barbershop. You know this one. Same shit. Long and motherfucking money. And then what? They had to pay it back too. And then at the end, they had the whole town getting haircuts so they could pay the people back. Next on the list is Bad Boys. You have two black cops that are on um, an undercover mission in like South America somewhere. This is a big baddie. They're thinking this is like the usual whatever, but as they're following the clues, they're finding out that this isn't no ordinary street hustler. And they find themselves at the at the south of the border, crossing a mine uh, field over to literally the government that was also protecting this guy. If you remember, this was just more than just a mafia boss. It was like, oh, you got the military, like your government... And they had to go and bust Big Baddie. Because <laughs> they want to be bad boys. Yes. <laughs> Next one, Ways Deep. You can take this one. Oh, uh, that's some Tyree shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> I 
also the game was in in the movie. So tell her what happened in the movie real quick. <sighs> Tyrese is on a on a picking up his son from school. All of a sudden, oh, yeah, yeah, got shot in the back of the window, and now he want to go get his ass. Yes. Fuck who it was. I don't who it was. I'm coming. Yep. So it be hard. So he runs into a prostitute who happens to know a couple of people because she's a prostitute and she helps get his son back in. He goes to prison while she goes and lives with his son. Also, the guy that played in Dead Presidents died, right? In the car named Lucky. Um, Above the Rim. You take that one? Y'all could look up above the room. Let's go to the next one, Shaft. You seen Shaft? Tell us about it real quick. People. People. <laughs> Next movie, Drumline. Drumline is about a kid that goes to school. He wants to play. Wow. <laughs> he wanted to be the best. So he plays drums with the school. Well, at first he gets denied because he doesn't know how to read music. And until he admits that he wants to learn music, then he is able to play with the band. And, you know, he, he does his thing. Also, sometime in a movie, he starts an altercation with another band and that almost gets him kicked out of the school for starting that fight. You remember that one? Yes, sir. There was also an underlining story about the, the parents. The parents knew each other and they wanted to marry each other, but some other guy stole his girlfriend and that's why they had bad beef with each other. Something like that. Um, next movie. Poetic Justice. You want to take that one? Why don't you tell what Poetic Justice is about? Shoot right there. And? Come on. <laughs> and they... I don't know how they hooked up, but they just started kicking it. Alright, next one. The Wood. You seen The Wood? Yeah. Yes. No? The wood is about school, um, childhood friends. Um, like around. Competing everything. You said what? They compete in everything, just like every other teenagers. Yeah, they got some rivalries, and they're getting married with you know their fiancés are sweethearts, and you know the drama, the shenanigans, the melodrama, basically on the big screen. The Amistad. You want to take this one? 
Thomas thought it's about a slave that wants his freedom. He wants to prove to the courts that he's a free man. And by proving to the courts that he's a free man, he has to testify himself because there's nobody else to represent him. So the man, over the course of the trial, begins to learn English. And at the end of the trial, they look to him for his um, um, testimony. And he cries out for freedom. And they grant him freedom. Amen. Don't be a menace while drinking juice in the hood. <laughs> what made you say that first? Hmm? Why you say that one first? Don't be a menace in South Central while drinking juice in the hood. Playing, brother. Copy. You want to tell him what the movie's about? I don't know what it's about, but I just know they copy off of the other movie. Fucking funny. Two brothers. The Marlin Brothers are known for making slapstick comedies and parodies, and they decided to make about four movies all in one, but probably more than that with all the extra cameos and crossovers they did in a hood movie about a guy coming back to his uh, his uh, neighborhood and um, just a whole lot of drama with crossovers with all the movies we mentioned, basically. Right? Yeah. So next on the move, next on the list is the movie Life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. B Bar got fucked up and also humbug shit. Got life and it wasn't even their fault. What happened? They just had the blood on them because they knew them. Damn shit. It was funny the whole story through because they were meeting a lot of characters while they were locked up. It was funny how they used to be making say like they go to the club at night. I'm telling you, goddamn, what it called? The club was called? Some shit. <coughs> we used to go there too. Whatever it was called. Next on the list is Foxy Brown. Which one? The movie? Mm hmm. A female uh, detective is solving crimes, and uh, she got beat the man. It was uh, during the 70s of the uh, black exploitation movies, where people had a taste for black movies back then. And they didn't want to touch everybody's heart with a beautiful black woman. Yes. Uh, what was her name? Um, her name, her name. <laughs> um, Pam Grill. Hustle and Flow. Oh shit, Grammy. Grammy for the song, Grammy for the movie. Shit. Grammy for the soundtracks. <laughs> Turns how did his thing. It was for the modern day, what we going through right now. It was showing everybody when everybody's in the cold going through. He was like...
Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is NNMRadio.com. I am your host. And in the last episode, we was going over the Minoans. This was 3,500 years before Christ. That's a long time ago, guys. So now uh, we, we wrapped up the Minoans with some very real history and um, also some myth history that, uh, you know, teeters on uh, truth and fiction. So uh, here we are with the Mycenaeans. They even happened to inherit something pretty good on the, on the head of a disaster happening uh, to the Minoans. So this was 1,600 BC. The things that we could get from them are linear B. And remember, we call linear A the language, the written language, that we could recover from the Minoans. Uh, I told you about these tombs, right? Oh, I I like the tombs because... It puts me in a mode to flow talk. I told you the one, the deviant ones. A bit distracting. Okay, not like that. Alright, maybe this is a little better. So, um, <clears throat> some things that are attributed to the Mycenaeans are the myths of the Iliad. And also the Odyssey, which was told by a blind poet called Homer. And uh, that tradition was passed down for generations and generations for thousands of years, literally, guys. No, at this point, it just sounds like a cliche thing to say, oh, thousands of years, but... From that point all the way up to present day, it's been thousands of years. From our point to Jesus Christ's point, technically 2020, 2,000 years after. So then you will do another over 2,000 years before him. That's a long time ago, thousands of years. Nothing short of saying that. So the Mycenaeans were like the Minoans. They went on and did the trade route. They they were good at trading and, uh, you know, just just marketing to other people. They they did that. So Uh, from Turkey to Palestine, the Palestine, Palestine or Palestine, I don't know, Palestine to uh, Spain and even to Egypt. These people could recognize and be like, yeah, I know they're Mycenaeans. So, um, after the destruction, after a big uh, volcano erupted on Thera, only uh, a Thera and a Cyprus. Only Athens and uh, Cyprus was uh was left intact and also uh the mycenaeans also came into uh 
rule at the hands of Ramesses uh, the third. Which now I think about it, should be actually Ramesses the second, not the third. You had a notable king, King Agamemnon, who was the king of Mycenae. You had Achilles and Odysseus. Odysseus was the king of Ithaca. You had the brother of Agamemnon, who was the king of Sparta. You had Paris, who was a prince of Sparta. No, who was a prince of uh, uh, Troy. And uh, Helen, she was the queen of Sparta. My goodness, it's like you go from one bad track to another. <clears throat> then you had um, Zeus, who was uh, neutral in uh, the whole Troy versus Sparta type of thing. And they would view the, the Trojans, people from Troy, as outsiders and view the Spartans as the Greeks. So uh, he, he was kind of neutral. He was like the, trying to be like the referee of the, of the, of the, of the war. That is uh, the Iliad. Because that's all the Iliad's about. The Iliad's about the war and the Odyssey is about after the war, the trip back home. Hera, who is uh, Zeus's wife and uh, the mother or queen of heaven, she was uh, for um, for uh, who? What side was she on? Oh, she she was on uh, Achilles' uh, side. So she was, uh, she was uh, pro Spartan. You had Artemis, who was pro Trojan. Apollo, who was pro Trojan. Hades, who was neutral. Aphrodite, who was pro Trojan. You had Ares, he switched sides, but he was pro Trojan. You had Athena, who was pro Spartan. You had Hermes, who was pro Spartan. You had Poseidon, who was pro Spartan. And you had Ares, who was pro-Trojan. So, uh, looking at the lineup, uh, it looks like you got quite a bit of uh, well-named gods who are on the Trojan side. And some well-named gods who are on Sparta side. My goodness, I can't find not any just simple talking music. I don't need garbage music, man. So, uh, yeah, so in this in in this uh, story, the Iliad, you have man versus man, God versus man, man versus God, and obviously God versus gods, and that that was uh, the 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 underlining story. That's that's what the story really was about. It wasn't about battle stories and who wins. It it was really underlining the themes of active battle and what what it meant in the long run it went over themes as humanity and suffering and pain and 
commitment, love, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of themes that, that you could find in stories to this day, like from a, from a Marvel movie. You got two characters that love each other, that are in a battle, you know, and uh, whatever, right? So the Iliad basically starts with King Agamemnon. He uh, holds a Trojan priest's daughter captive and denies great wealth to uh, return her to to Troy. Even um, his army and advisors is like, take the wealth. Shoot, she's worth that much. You know that we would be of great benefit by 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 taking that wealth in, but uh, Agamemnon is uh, not an ordinary king, and uh, you you will see in uh, this story to come what makes him just a little bit more special than other kings of his time. So the daughter. You know, being held captive by Agamemnon, she prays to Apollo, and, and uh, actually, she she praises she prays to Zeus, and Zeus gets Apollo to causes a plague on Agamemnon and his troops, which later Achilles also suffers from the plague, and he confronts Agamemnon. He's like, listen, man, just return the daughter at this point, you know? What are you trying to prove? Your your pride is in the way. Your ego is in the way at this point. So, um, of course, Agamemnon and Achilles, they argue. And that's what causes Achilles and Agamemnon to be on bad terms. Even though Achilles is a warrior, he's, he's not really a leader. He's a warrior leader, but his his uh, purpose and what he's best at is really just an object of war, basically. That's that's what he was born for. You know, that's his that's his greatest uh, contribution to him to humanity. What what he could recall is being a warrior. So Achilles is a demigod. And uh, he has a, a high divine mother, so he prays to her to have the Greeks be delivered to the Trojans. And uh, she she says, yeah, that, that, that could be, you know, worked out. I can make that happen. But she also knows that with his blessings being on the field... It's the same location for his downfall, so he's going to die on the field. And she knows that this war that is going to be caused between the Trojans and uh, the Spartans is going to be also his downfall. It's going to be his glory. The song that everybody's going to sing, you know, for ages to come, was just going to be the end of him at that moment when, when his moment comes. And uh, also that night, Agamemnon has a dream, persuading him to attack Troy. And uh, he has Odysseus, 
who's a commander, but also, you know, the king of uh, 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 Ithaca to boost the morale of the troops. And uh, Paris, who is uh, the prince of uh, Troy, the Trojan prince, he offers a deal to the king of Sparta to end the war in a one-on-one battle for uh, a hand in Helen. If, uh, no, no, no. To end the war, I believe. But, um, but we all know why. Because Aphrodite happens to possess uh, Helen of Troy. And uh, probably she also possesses uh, Paris for them two to fall in love. And uh, they just been happen to be on opposing sides. So this story, well, you know, going back to the Minotaur story, now that we're pausing real quick, I noticed that that story sort of correlates with um, Beowulf's story. The king doesn't fulfill an obligation and the consequences of him not fulfilling that obligation comes in the form of his descendant his offspring his son and a great mighty warrior or to be you know slays the the, the beast and, and whatnot. so uh, this story you know the two lovers on two opposing sides that reminds me of Romeo and Juliet <laughs> so here we are um so Paris you know wants to duel the king of Sparta and uh he loses the duel and while the guys were dueling both sides of armies agree you know what let, have, let, let these guys duel Whoever wins, you know, wins the war. And we could save countless lives. Families would be happy and all that. And they're like, alright. But, you know, once when the prince of Troy begins to start losing, then they begin to break their trust and an arrow flies out and strikes the king of Sparta, killing him. So... The battle and the war begins. So, um, um, Paris, you know, runs runs away with Helen. They're on the Trojan side, and um, Hera uh, actually. Hates uh, the Trojans. If if I'm reading this right, is it really Harrow? Yeah, the queen of the queen of heaven. You know, the wife to Zeus, Hera, hates the Trojans, and causes the king of Sparta to die. So that's where that happens. Diomedes wounds Aphrodite who that guy is like uh, Theseus 
he's like Achilles, you know, he got one parent that's mortal and the other parent that's immortal. So, you know, he, he got the demigod paradox, which means he could do more things than the average man and can even wound a god. That's incredible. So Aphrodite gets uh, wounded on the battlefield. And then Apollo warns Dionysus about warring with the gods. He's like, look, I'm going to warn you. Don't keep doing this. Because you're going to suffer consequences only gods can employ. <clears throat> so Hector of Troy, who's like uh, Troy's best warrior, joins the battle. And with the help of Athena, Diomedes wounds Ares. Hector successfully defends Troy. And Diomedes does some unfair trade with with the Trojans. Which, you know, pisses off the gods and the people. Hector draws a duel up against Ajax... But both have to retire at nighttime because neither one of them could get the upper hand. Paris refuses to surrender uh, Helen, you know, which pisses Agamemnon off really a lot because that's like his sister in law. A day of truce is struck, is struck so that both sides could burn the dead. You know, emphasizing that's how many people have died so far in this bloody war. That they're like, look, we're going to need a day to get rid of some of these bodies. We, we can't keep fighting like this. Zeus then per- prohibits any gods for interfering anymore in the war. Because he sees how many people are dying on the battlefield because of the gods. He's seeing fellow gods. In this case, you know, some of his siblings are are um, are, are children being uh, hurt, wounded. He he's seeing the damage being done, and he's like, "Look, these are up to the humans. Let humans do what they do." We're not going to interfere anymore. So the next morning, the Trojans win a great war up against the Spartans. And Agamemnon urges Odysseus, Ajax, and Phoenix to get Achilles' help. Because all this time, Achilles has been kind of stubborn about the war. Because, you know... I, this is Agamemnon's war, and I don't like—I don't want to be his warrior. I don't like him. You know, I'll be here on my ship or at my camp, chilling all the way over here. And until the Trojans literally come to my camp, then I will do something. But they will have to be swinging at me for me to do something. You hear? And they're like, "All right, whatever." Of course, Achilles refuses Agamemnon's help 
And later that night, Odysseus and uh, Diomedes actually win a sneak battle up against the Trojans. You know, they teamed up. They're like, look, you're a great warrior. I'm a great king. Let's go on and win some sneak battles. And in the morning, Agamemnon, Diomedes, and Odysseus are wounded in battle up against the Trojans. Hector charges through a Greek wall, and Hera seduces Zeus, which causes Poseidon to help out the Greeks just a little bit. Because, you know, they're, they're rooting for the Greeks. And the other gods are rooting for the Trojans. So Zeus finds out, and he sends Apollo to go and help out the Trojans. And they, and the Trojans press so hard till they reach the Greek Spartan ships. All the way to that far. Achilles' friend argues with him to join the battle. But, you know, Achilles is not listening to him. So Achilles' friend goes and takes Achilles' armor and charges into battle, impersonating him. Because he's like, come on, we're losing this war. Do you really want to lose this war? He's like, it's not my war. So, um, what happens is, uh, the guy's name is called Pat Rokius. He ends up killing one of Zeus's sons, you know, one of his lower sons, in battle. And it continues to, to all the way, and he, be, and he charges all the way up into the Trojan Gate. That's how good he's doing. But he is stopped, literally, by Apollo. Because Apollo is like, nope. Hector then kills Patrocleus. And Hector then takes Achilles' armor and starts parading with uh, Achilles' armor. Like, look, I didn't kill Achilles, but I killed his friend and I got his armor. Wow. Achilles then avows revenge to Hector. Now he's all wild up and he's ready. He gets a new armor from um, Hephaestus, I believe. And a new shield. That's why if you ever see Achilles and you're like, oh, he has a shield. That's where he gets his shield. He's in legend mode now. Zeus then lifts a ban on the gods the next morning to intervene. And all heck breaks loose because Achilles, he's a demigod. And he goes out there and kills a river full of people. I mean, the river is just bloody red and overflowing with people at, at this one battle like he is a killing machine just straight up massacres people all the way to the point where this river deity cries out to the gods like this isn't right this isn't fair look at me and gods begin to fight with you know themselves and each other Hector faces Achilles and of course Achilles wins but what Achilles does is unprecedented he takes Hector's body ties it to the back of his cart and he parades his body by dragging it 
for, yeah, the rest of the day. That's really messed up. So, while Achilles is, you know, winning, and he just killed Hector, who's supposed to be defending the city, Apollo helps uh, escort and secure citizens in the city. Because, uh... This guy, he's 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 crazy. Athena helps uh, Achilles uh, in, uh, in in that battle up against Hector because Hector was uh, running away from him. Because Hector probably knew, oh man, I'm about to get my butt whooped. I was acting for it, but now I don't want it. <laughs> so the next day, a funeral is held by by uh, Achilles for his friend. And the father of Hector pleads with Achilles, please return the body of my son to Troy. And he does. And both of the men bond. And the story of the Iliad ends right there. Yep, guys. So that's 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 the story of the Iliad. If you were wondering what happens with Achilles, and isn't there supposed to be Odysseus in his journey? What's up with the end of the war, you know? That all happens, actually, in the Iliad sequel. And that's called The Odyssey. So, um... I hope y'all stick (laughs) stick with me on this. Because The Odyssey is even longer. The Iliad is a story of a ten-year war. And, uh... Ten years. Ten years of carnage and... You can see why they needed a day dedicated to just burning the dead. And they, they're, they're it's sad times. So the, the, the story really stuck through the age of time. You know, they're, they're freaking uh, going crazy. So, um, here we are. <laughs> this is. The Odyssey, part two to the Iliad. There's theorized that there's a part three to the story, but you know, recovering it and the veridity to if this is really a part three or not is up to other people. Also, Homer didn't produce part three or the third uh, story to you know another person. In a later time to, you know, put, you know, put together a third story. So it's not in hard regard canon like in, like these two stories are. So here we are. Ten years of Trojan War, Odysseus has anger Poseidon you will see why later on and he can't return back to his homeland Ithaca easily he is the king of Ithaca you know I just said that he is married and there are men who are waiting to marry his wife and to spend his money Odysseus has a patron god her name is Athena. She requests to Zeus for his return home. 
And Odysseus' son is now 20 years old. If you can imagine, his son was just a child, you know, when he was kissing him and saying, I got to go to war. I'll see you soon in like a year or probably less than that. He's like, okay, dad. And now his son is 20 years old. And the son sees himself as the head of the household at this point. Maybe any mentions of his father is like, oh, yeah, y'all keep saying that, but, you know, let's move on. Let's focus on now and the future, not focus on the past. Uh, Odysseus is also held captive by Calypso because she falls in love with him. She wants his hand in marriage, and she will even grant him immortality. Which, obviously, um, Odysseus denies because he wants to return home and also remain faithful to his wife, partly. Zeus sends Hermes to rescue him at the request from Athena, also pleading, Please, Zeus, please free my main man, Odysseus. He likes me, I like him. I'm his patron god. This is my request to you. And um, further further information for y'all is that um, Athena is Zeus's daughter, and um, she doesn't have a mother because she is directly connected in his daughter. Not even throughout, you know, obviously not birth. She, you know, sprung from his mind because he was having a great and mighty headache, and. Um, she is the goddess of war and of wisdom. So you can see how Odysseus basically is the mirror image of that, of, of war and uh, wisdom. You know, uh, Zeus, him being like the father god. Calypso frees him, gives him clothes, gives him some food and drink. And uh, he builds his ship and he's on his way. But, you know, shortly after, Poseidon wrecks his ship. Then he's given another ship. And um, the story goes and uh, winds back just a little bit for y'all. Because right there where the story jumps is uh, basically an outlining fact telling y'all real quick what's happening. So Odysseus used to have 12 ships at the end of the Trojan War. And if you can imagine 12 ships, these aren't like 12 baby rafts, you know, that could hold four or six people. We're talking about war ships with possibly like 15 to 30 people on each ship. You know, 12 of them. And they were driven off course by a storm. That was just by chance. This was before Odysseus uh, pissed off Poseidon. And uh, they shipwreck on an island of lotus eaters. And the lotus plant has this fruit that makes people feel empathetic. And they feel inept. They feel impotent. They feel, you know, like they're forever high. And as the men were eating these fruit, they began to forget about their homeland. And Odysseus 
literally has to drag his men back to the ship so they could go on and return home from 10 years of being away. Don't y'all want to be home? So then uh, they uh, land on an island and they find uh, a cave that has mountains of, of cheese and meat. But this was a Cyclops cave. And when they saw the Cyclops come in, they were all scared because they were like, holy crap, what is that? And the Cyclops began to grab some men and devour them, like eat them, cannibalize them, like holy crap. And um, the Cyclops is like, who are you? And the Odysseus is like, "Uh, I'm nobody. All right, nobody. You're their leader. I'll eat you last. So, you know, they devise a plan that they noticed that right before the Cyclops fell asleep, he would allow his sheep to leave the cave and, the, you know, eat from the field. But, you know, they had to wait until the Cyclops fall asleep and to think that they were, you know... At, at a place for his uh, convenience. So the plan they devised was t- to wait until he falls asleep, build a big spear to impale his one eye, and then hide underneath the sheep as they were leaving, you know, successfully. So that when... The Cyclops would be impaled by the spirit he can't see. He he would feel on the ground and feel the sheep. But, you know, he wouldn't be feeling like underneath the sheep where the men were. And I need to change the music. You know, I was doing so good at first. All right, that should be a lot better. So, uh, da, 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 da. fast forward this story, Odysseus. Um, oh, oh, oh. So, the, the Cyclops, you know, is like raging mad and he's uh, screaming outside of his cave. Help, 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 help. And there are some like other Cyclops in uh, the land. And they hear the Cyclops and they're like, all right, man. What's, what's the matter? What's the problem? And the Cyclops says, I've been impaled. They say, by who? He says, nobody. And they're like, all right, whatever. Nobody impaled you. And he's like, yes, nobody did. And he's like, all right, leave us alone. And he's like, no, I'm telling y'all the truth. So Odysseus um, get, gets to his ship and he's uh, setting sail. And on his way out, you know, over the horizon, he yells at the top of his lungs, Oh, great and feeble-minded, what's his name? Um, Weak and feeble-minded Cyclops. My real identity is Odysseus the Great. He's like, fine. 
Odysseus, I'm going to go pray to my father Poseidon to curse you. And Poseidon, you know, hears about what Odysseus has done to his half-son. And he curses Odysseus on his way back. So Odysseus uh, bumps into a king who happens to have bags of, of, of... my goodness, he just run into one bad one to the next. You know, I gotta pick something different. Alright, so um, he, he, he runs into a king who has bags of, of winds, except for the west winds, I believe. And he's like, alright... Once when, you know, you, you set sail, you could open up the winds and it would, you know, give you winds in your sail so you could get home, like, within the next day. That's how potent these winds are. So, when they were almost home, they could see home within their sights. Odysseus falls asleep and the men, thinking that the bags had gold in it open up the bags and the wind happens to blow them all the way back from when they came so they go back to the king and they're like look we had an accident could you um like give us another bag of wind and the king is like nah man I just heard that you were cursed by Poseidon and whatever you're going through far as Poseidon and being cursed I'm not going to involve myself with you. Please leave. So they set sail. And they bump into another island. With some giants that are cannibals. And um, all the ships ended up being destroyed. Unfortunately. So then the uh, the one ship that they only got that. Um, Ironically, Odysseus, you know, didn't uh, engage into a battle or get destroyed by, I should say. They go in to another island, and that's been happening to be the island where Circe is on. Now, Circe is the daughter of the sun god Helios, and she turns uh, Odysseus' men into pigs. But with the help of Hermes, who gives Odysseus some molly. M-O-L-Y Literally Molly he, He's able to not be affected by Cersei's magic And uh, he subdues uh, Cersei And she uh, um, turns his men back you know, into men from pigs And then uh, they begin to make love to each other So um, they, they are cozy together for a year or so and um, Odysseus convinces Cersei to help him out give him some directions how, how do I get back to Ithaca so um, he has to uh, go to this place and make some sacrifices to the dead you know and uh, possibly get some answers from the dead on how, how to get back home and how, how you could uh, lift this curse from from him and um, one of uh, the things he had to do was um, 
sacrifice a a, a, a a cow. No, 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 no. To not sacrifice a cow or not to eat a cow when they, they come across it. But that's later on. So while he's meeting with the dad at this place, you know, this uh, maybe like I'm, I'm picturing like some type of whirlpool. So um, he meets his mother who died grieving, thinking he was dead in the war. And she talks about, you know, um, 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 his, his uh, Ithaca and what's going on with his wife and his son and his country. Then he meets um, Agamemnon, who tells him who kills him and, um, and stuff like that. Then he meets Achilles. Who Achilles, you know, um, finds out about his son, and his son is a warrior just like him. But Achilles also woes about the underworld. He's like, yo, this place is is crazy. It's crazy. So Odysseus then encounters some uh, sirens on his journey. He he encounters. Uh, Acilia, which is like some octopus looking creature. You know, it got a lot of feet or tails, something like that. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a creature like the Hydra. You don't want to mess with it, it seems like. And also, um, they almost get sucked in by a whirlpool, but you know what I just told you about? That whole, um, you know, the the meeting with the dead, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, a whirlpool, I just said. So, um, with, with, um, avoiding this, the cilia, unfortunately, the cilia kills six of his men. And at that point, you only got one ship, only probably about 10 guys, maybe 12 guys, and he just lost six of them, so that was a big loss to him. Odysseus' men, shortly after this point, starts to go crazy, and they, you know, he was warned not to mess with this sacred cow of Helios, and uh, the men hunt down the cow and they ate it but the bad thing is they did it behind Odysseus back so it isn't like Odysseus wanted that either so Helios talks to Zeus and and says to Zeus bro punish this guy please he just crossed the line and uh, Zeus does punish uh, them by uh, shipwrecking them and causing the men to drown Odysseus is then trapped by Calypso on the island because, you know, he he grasped a branch of a tree while he was, you know, like uh, being tossed in some waters during the shipwrecking. And that happened to be the island that Calypso is on. So, um, after, you know, Hermes helps, you know, free, uh, uh, my goodness 
after he he helps uh, free him, um, Poseidon wrecks Odysseus' boat again, and uh, he happens to land on an island where he wakes up naked. There's girls that are just laughing at him, at his nakedness, and they're like, you know what? Just like last night, I had a dream that Athena came to me and said, Oh, gather your maidens and go start washing clothes by this beachside. And I didn't know I was going to meet a naked man. So, um, Odysseus meets, you know, the, the girl that happens to be the daughter of a king. And the king is like, hey, say no more. You're, you're a warrior from the Trojan War? I'll help you get back home, of course. And, um... Uh, you know, he, he gets shipwrecked again. And that's the confusing part, because it's like he's getting shipwrecked basically every time he leaves an island. So it's kind of weird, like, like, am I getting the shipwrecks, you know, all mixed up? But here's the final part. Odysseus wakes up on Ithaca and he can't believe it. But Athena's there and she assures him, yes. You have awakened on Ithaca. So she disguises him as a beggar. Because she's like... No, he's like... I want to see how's the status of my house without, you know, actually causing turmoil. Let me, you know, be uh, like a, 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 a spy looking in. So he meets one of his old slaves and he has dinners with the old slaves with his old slave and his old slave is like oh yeah Odysseus is a good guy and I can't wait till he comes back he's like good 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 and then he meets his son which he tells his son hey this is me your father and his son is like oh man there's these guys I want to marry your your my mother your wife and uh they're planning to kill me basically so I'm on the run it's like, all right, you go and uh, gather some of your folks, and I'm gonna go back and uh, back home and see see what what's going on with the house. And um, Odysseus' dog, who was a puppy when he left, sees him, and he's so excited that the dog dies on sight, really. And uh, Athena coaxes um, Odysseus' wife to host a bow and arrow contest. And whoever is able to, you know, hit the target has my hand in marriage. But Athena, you know, does that on purpose because none of these guys are warriors the way Odysseus is. And he enters the contest knowing that he could hit the target. And, uh, after he hits the target, he begins to massacre everybody in the room. Or at least all the suitors and all the people conspiring against him. Then he hangs 12 maidens who also were conspiring and were sleeping with some of the guys. And the people of Ithaca actually rebelled because some of them wanted, or basically all of them wanted, is, you know, a suitor to marry the queen so that they could have a king. Said business could continue as usual. 
It's been over 10 years. Well, over 20 years at this point since their king has returned. They're thinking he might have died in the war or died on the way back home. But uh, Athena intervenes and she coaxed both the sides to come together and to be one nation under her. You know, because Athena stuck with uh, Odysseus and Odysseus stuck with his mission on coming back home. I want to be back home. And he does. And that story has different themes that, that it was trying to underlay far as being a good host. Like uh, Circe started off as a bad host, but then becomes a good host. Um, the guy with the bag of winds at first was a good host, but then a bad host. The, the guy with the daughter that saw him naked on the beach, he's a good host. The Cyclops, a bad host. It um, tells uh, the story of, of uh, being a, a duty man, you know, sticking to your duty. It tells a story of being faithful and being uh, infidelity and uh, stuff like that. It tells a story of um, following directions. And when you don't follow directions, you, you die or you suffer the consequences. Oh, one slight story or really line that I uh, forgot to mention is that when Cersei tells Odysseus about the sirens that he's going to have to pass through some sea or some passage that has sirens. A lot of men that would hear the sirens would be so captivated by them they would either jump ship or they would not pay attention and they would run right into some shallow rock area. Causes the ship to sink and them to die. Odysseus is like kind of curious but also grateful that Cersei gave him the insight about the sirens decides to okay guys tie me up to the mass of the ship and if i you know tell y'all to untie me please ignore me you know put more ropes on me because i'm i want to experience this siren song that a lot of men heard but weren't able to live to, to, to describe it or to tell it so um tie me tie me up and um, I wanted to know. So when they were rowing past the passage, all the guys had to plug their ears with be- with beeswax so they weren't able to hear the siren song. So so the guys, um, yeah, they, they had the power through that. Of course, Odysseus started to go crazy. He's like, listen, I time me, I time me. And they, they're like, no, 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 you instructed us to not untie you. So we're going to put more ropes on. All right, guys, so um, that basically also concludes Odysseus' story. After that, he lives to be an old king, you know, with his son, his wife, and his people, and his god. You know, finally goes home. So on the next episode, we're going to be going over the Phoenicians. We're going to be going over the Carthaginians. We're going to be going over the Macedonians to continue our story through time. Thank you, guys. This is NNMRadio.com. I am your host, and I am out.